Live Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. Brooklyn, New York. Beautiful summer day. It's officially summer. Officially summer right now. And it, it's hard to uh, to really grasp. I think because I'm getting older now, I don't see summer the same way as like a kid now that's everybody's graduating or moving on to the next grade or something. Summertime is that freedom, you know, that that ultimate I'm done with everything type of moment. I don't get those anymore because when you're, you know, I'm an adult, obviously, and you feel like you're just another day, but now it's warmer. Now it's going to be more days where you go to the beach, maybe go to amusement park, uh, do more stuff outside. That's about it. Work never ends. But that's okay. Speaking of things that don't end, obviously, obviously, you know, there's always something going on in sports, and we have a, quite a few things that we're going to talk about today. One of which deals with Jose Reyes. Now, I teased it a little bit on the last episode, talking about Jose Reyes and how I was going to go a little deeper into his whole situation now that he's re-signed with the New York Mets. The Mets are taking a chance on a guy that, you know, uh, quite frankly, uh, is a, is a, a, an abuser. He's, you know, domestic violence with his wife. There's no sh- way to sugarcoat it. He's proven, uh, you know, it, it, he was proven guilty, basically, in regards to the situation. And I can see why many people want to stay away from him. In terms of teams, uh, the, the Rockies just, after the suspension, just got rid of him. They said that they don't want anything to do with it. So of all teams, to give him a second chance, it was the New York Mets. The team that he started with all the way back in like the uh, early 2000s, he's the all-time leader in so many different categories. But Jose Reyes is a New York Met again. So, I, you know, I could go and break this down a million different ways, but in terms of what the Mets were thinking, so I, I thought it would be set, make a lot more sense to talk to a Mets fan. Let's talk to a hardcore Mets fan, and I don't know many more hardcore Mets fans than uh, Mr. Stan Talouise, correspondent here for Keeping It Real Sports. Gonna talk to him a little bit about it. His thoughts on uh, Reyes learning third base, currently playing in the minors for the Brooklyn Cyclones, Mets single A affiliate. What are his thoughts and expectations from the from the once great New York Met and you know rising star in Major League Baseball? How his career now at 33 years old is hanging on by a thread. Let's, let's just see if we get our thoughts on that because it's a uh, it's a big transition. Also, going to have a nice little fun debate in the second hour between, it seems to be always the battle, whether it's sports or just culture in general, New York, LA, Knicks, Lakers, free agency is happening right now in the NBA. I think it officially kicks off July 1st. I, I believe that's the first day. The hot destinations are always, you know, the, the good teams, but you got to look at the culture in terms of what players are looking for when they sign with a club. 
New York, Los Angeles, two of the biggest markets in the world, let's be honest. Knicks and Lakers have this long history. Lakers a lot more winning than the Knicks, but both of the Knicks championships came against the Los Angeles Lakers. So I had to, you know, break this down. Both teams are struggling, but have strong fan bases. Claude LaRoche, huge Knicks fan. You've heard him uh, last time I had him. I had him on talking about Derrick Rose and his uh, expectations with him with the Knicks. Now he's going to have to put the team on his back and defend them because I'm going to have him in a little debate and I'm only going to be the moderator here. And he's going to go against uh, Miss Lana B, who is a huge Lakers fan from the West Coast, from, from the L.A. area, born and raised. She gives her thoughts on the Lakers and uh, tries to prove why the Lakers are the better franchise overall. So we're going to have that battle going on in the second hour of the show. Also, got some got some sad news yesterday. Now, it's been a weird year in terms of losing entertainers and uh, celebrities. And, and it, it feels like every time I do a show, I'm always saying rest in peace to somebody who was a, a prominent figure in their sport. Like, it's it's been a very weird year. Yesterday, the world lost Pat Summit, the greatest college coach, male or female, in college basketball history. Let's, let's be honest. She's the greatest of all time. The record sta- the record speaks for itself. The all-time wing is coached Division I sports. Eight national titles. 38-year career. Passes away. Um, battle with uh, Alzheimer's, I believe it was. And uh, it's, it's a sad situation. She coached so many great players that you are currently watching in the WNBA. And uh, her influence over the, just in the game in general has just been unmatched. So definitely going to do my discussion with that. Also, the world lost Buddy Ryan. Defensive genius. The reason why the Chicago Bears were as... as uh, were as good as they were in the 85 team. They keep talking about being the best team of all time, just how great that defense was. He was the architect of that defense. Uh, The different pass rushes, the schemes, it all started from Buddy Ryan. He knew how to get after the quarterback. One of his best sayings were, you know, quarterback can't really, like, do much if he's already on his back. Uh, I believe it was along those lines. He, obviously the father of um, Rob and Rex Ryan, coaches in the NFL always had that brash attitude about how things are done very honest very uh very forth speaking like he was never the type of person to hold his tongue that was the uh the thoughts about him so could I get some um some clips from past players talking about both legendary coaches Pat Summit Buddy Ryan both lost in the same day yesterday it's 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 incredible just like how you never know. You never know nowadays. So it's just when you you have that whole saying about you have these legends, make sure they, they make sure they know. Like spend as much time as you can with them because tomorrow's never promised. Definitely important and it's definitely, you know, it's definitely something that people need to uh, keep in mind. 
But as always, the sports world will rebound and we will move on. And I, I do want to bring up uh, some, some of the other things that are going on in sports right now. We have uh, free agency, like I said, with the NBA, definitely about to uh, to be in full swing. And I'm hearing all the different rumors. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I just want to speak on this. I'm hearing Dwight Howard, possibly Atlanta, which is not that far-fetched, I guess. But does Atlanta really want to take Dwight Howard? I understand he's from the area, but do they really want to take that? I've heard Boston. I don't know what the, the market is for Dwight Howard, but I, I, I can tell you this. He cannot be a first option. You just can't. That's just me being honest right now. He cannot be your first option. You got to have somebody that is willing to, to put everything out there for the team. And I do believe he tries hard, but I think there's this part of something wrong with his motor at times when he is discouraged. And I think he does get discouraged easily. So I don't know if you're uh, talking about Dwight Howard and his thoughts is a lot going into that. Another big news with involving big men, Tim Duncan opts in for his contract. He's going to be back for another year with the San Antonio Spurs. This is probably his last one. I'm, I'm putting it out there. I think you're going to have Duncan and Garnett both end the same time. How fitting is that? Now we can start the, that's going to be the next debate. Who's better Duncan or, Gar or Garnett? But I, I would love to see both of them, you know, just get out into the sunset, whatever they say, walk out to the sunset together. And great careers, just great legendary careers. But to see Tim Duncan uh, one more time is a, is a gift. Once again, NBA, this is a gift. You get to see one of the greatest of all time do what he does best. So I'm really looking forward to that. Just watching the rest of watching a brand new season and seeing how just seeing how ready the NBA is with these new players and you still have these legends hanging around. To me, that's always the best thing to see, like the um just the balance. Because there's gonna be a lot of learning going on. I mean, that's the only reason why Garnett is still around. Teaching a young Carl Anthony Towns is huge. It's just huge. Now, Carl Anthony Towns won the MVP. I mean, not MVP. Whoa, look, going ahead of myself. Won Rookie of the Year this year. And he's only going to get better, but I think when you have a guy like a Kevin Garnett who's just going to be as vocal and as bold as anybody... And not much people can say against him. It makes the it makes life a lot easier. Let's be honest. But uh, as always, taking your phone calls five one six nine zero zero two two seven eight. Gonna have I'm gonna have uh, Stan Talawis on the line soon. We're talking Jose Reyes. We're talking about what we, what as Mets fans can expect from this Jose race. I think there's going to be a, a lot of, uh, a lot of misconceptions. I think a lot of people are still thinking that he's the same Jose Reyes that won the batting title, uh, some years ago. He's 33 years old. He's playing a new position. 
it's going to be a learning curve here if you're a Mets fan. So I think you just got to be ready for that. But like I said, once again, number 516-900-2278. You're listening to Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM.
what happened. I mean, you know, I'm a human being. People make a mistake. You know, but I understand the, 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 the terrible mistake that I make. And, you know, I sorry to I apologize to my, my wife, my family, you know, to all the fans who follow me. And, you know, it's been a couple of tough months for me, you know, but, you know, right now, like I said, I'm trying to put everything behind me and continue with my career. I mean, let's put something clear. People still think that I, I'm, I'm going to come in here and I'm going to steal city base. And I'm going to hit 20 triple. Don't get, let's don't get too crazy. I mean, you know, that happened a long time ago. I'm 33 now, you know, but I'm still, still 30 bases. You know, last year, I still 24 bases in 115 games. And I hit 270 something because I got a very tough year when I get right to Colorado. That was very tough for me. I never been in that situation before, like in the middle of the season, get traded, had to move with my family, you know. And I, I wasn't happy there, to be honest with you guys. I mean, I wasn't happy. It's hard to perform where you don't happen in one place. All right, that was Jose Reyes talking to the media as he uh, first signed with the with the New York Mets going back home to New York, and that's what he basically called it home on his uh, Twitter and Instagram page. He was very uh, adamant about how happy he was to return back to the Mets organization, and uh, that was his first press conference with the Brooklyn Cyclones and Mets single-A affiliate. Once again, this sports social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. Now, what happens with Jose Reyes moving forward? It's It's to be seen. I mean, the guy has been through so much as it is. It'll be interesting to see what he brings to the table. You know, it's that type of uh, situation with him. He he's a third baseman. He's play. You know, he doesn't really play that that position. Usually a shortstop. Still has some speed left in him. I don't think he steals sixty or so bases like we we're like he was saying. Uh, he's pretty honest about himself in that regard. But in terms of him as a teammate, what he could bring with his leadership, if he has any leadership in him especially with uh, David Wright on the shelf. Ever since David Wright went on the shelf for the Mets, they've been in a bit of a, a tailspin, losing a, a lot of games. Uh, you got Matt Harvey, a 10-game loser right now. And, uh, it's it's very surprising to see that. So uh, we're going to see what's going to happen with with Jose and, and his, whole, uh, his whole rebound. He has to go through a lot now in his career just to get back on point. It's going to be a uh, a struggle. I mean, you talk about a guy play shortstop, all-star for multiple years, now has to move to third base, has to deal with fans that are are not going to want him there. They're just not going to. So it's it's definitely it's definitely going to be a uh, process for him. Let's see what he brings to the table. Can he get it done? Uh, these are all, like, important things for Jose Reyes. And I think about his career. I think about all the excitement he brought to uh, Shea Stadium, City Field, the speed, the uh, the instant offense that he was about, and his final year, the dispute of whether or not he was worth a max contract. That was a, a big deal for Mets fans. They couldn't really see past that. So uh, it's it's just going to be a, uh, a tough situation for him to uh, transition to. But uh, I think the biggest thing that the Mets, that Mets fans have to uh, – have to pay a lot more attention to is uh, his off the field and what he's going to have to do to prove not just to you know his family and to baseball, but to the community. I mean, you're back in New York, and domestic violence is nothing to be played with in any sport, any way of life. 
I know I don't know what Aroldis Chapman is doing with the Yankees, but I do know Jose Reyes, especially since he came from New York, he's gonna have to uh, to do some things to to really rebound his image because his image has taken a lot of it's taken a huge hit, a huge hit with this whole uh, suspension. So I don't know. Uh, the Mets have a uh, a need for him. They need an infielder that can uh, that can provide a spark. I know it makes sense on paper. But they got to do it. They just have to do it that way. That's that's the bottom line. So we'll see what happens with Jose Reyes. Um, I'm looking forward to watching the games and and just getting his whole like his whole pace and what he'll do to change things up. That's the biggest thing about it. I mean, you can't you can't take away having a legit leadoff hitter. Uh, Curtis Granderson is a good player, but I never thought he was a leadoff hitter. I think the, the Mets got lucky last year having him as a leadoff hitter. They got very lucky. And seeing the type of player that Jose Reyes can be and what he could bring to a team, maybe this is what they need. Because I don't see any other teams that have that need that the Mets need, and that's the leadoff hitter to really set the table for them. Uh, not having Conforto in the lineup anymore, uh, sending him down to the minors to still work on some things after how hot he started, is uh, it hurts. Uh uh, it's an odd time if you're a Mets fan. Uh, Noah Syndergaard is is playing hurt. Um, you got Mats playing hurt. It's a very very tough time. There's no way to look past that. So we'll definitely see what he's going to do and how he's going to handle the scrutiny that comes with it. Because as you expect, there will be there'll be a lot of naysayers saying that, hey, you know, this is the guy you're taking a chance on. Who doesn't deserve it? You know, why not play Reynolds more? Why not play these different players that haven't committed such a crime? It just shows how valuable Jose Reyes actually is. But uh, we have our call on the line. Stan Talouise, are you there? Yes, hello. Yes, hello. Hi, can I speak to the persons are in charge of your electric? Oh, it looks like we have the electric guy again. Boy, we are doing well with that. I feel like that's becoming an all-around theme, so Stan, definitely call back. We'll see what happens in regards to that situation. So, once again, Jose Reyes, we don't know what's going to go on with him. But um, we'll, hopefully we'll get Stan Talouise on a little bit later in the show. If not, then uh, that's the way it's going to be. So, uh, as always, anybody who doesn't have any questions about the electric bill... Give you a call, 516-900-2278. This is like the third, this is hilarious how that keep, keeps on happening. So, uh, going to have to definitely talk to management on that one. That's a little different. But, um, once again, 516-900-2278 is the number. And, um, we're just definitely waiting on uh, Stan Halloween and his thoughts on the show. So, We'll be right back. You're listening to Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Southcast FM.
Silverback Sports Social with Eddie Easter here on Southcast FM. And I think for real now, we have Stan Talouise on the line. Stan, are you there? Yes, I am. All right, Stan Talouise on the line. And um, obviously, you're a huge Mets fan. Um, that's one of the main reasons why uh, I had to get your opinion on this. Jose Reyes is officially a New York Met again, even though he's currently playing on the single-A affiliate Brooklyn Cyclones learning third base. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts on bringing back of Jose Reyes? Um, well, as a, as, a, as a Mets fan, as a Reyes fan, I like it. Um, I go kind of go back and forth with it because, you know, the whole, the, all, everything that's coming out with the, with the domestic violence and everything, uh, I, I do think that uh, it's, it's a controversial decision. I, I, I agree with it from a baseball standpoint. If he can produce, then it's, I'm all for it. Um, but it's up to Reyes himself as a person to come out and really uh, atone for what he's done and, 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 and you know, put it behind him. Um, I know a lot of people are going to say, well, the Mets are wrong for bringing him in, and I disagree with that. I disagree with the idea that, uh, you know, one mistake should disqualify someone from earning a living. Um, uh, I don't think that professional athletes should be held to a higher standard because they can run faster, jump higher, hit a ball at 95 miles per hour. Um, people make mistakes. And uh, if Jose Reyes can produce, I'm glad to have him back. Okay, so, you know, obviously you're saying if he can produce. Do you feel like there's things that he needs to do off the field in order to not only, you know, win over the New York market, but to prove to the world and the rest of the, and the, rest of the league? Because let's be honest, he's 33 years old, so he has some baseball left in him. He may want to play other places if it doesn't still stick out with the Mets. What does he need to do, like, for the rest of the season to really uh, – to, to get people to uh, get back on his side, in a sense. Uh, first and foremost, he's got to get a, he's got to get a hit. Uh, as, as you've seen with the Cyclones, he hasn't gotten a hit yet. Um, he started out over three his first day, um, and he hasn't had a hit. He hasn't had a hit. Um, so he's got to he's definitely got to start hitting. He's got to make his way back up to the majors and play at a major league level. He's got to do the, the little things. He's got to get on base. He's got to steal bases. Uh, the I'm pretty sure that the, the 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 team leader in the stolen bases is uh, David Wright with three. So the Mets don't steal bases. He's got to steal bases. He's got to get on base. He's got to do the things on the field first. Uh, as he produces on the field, you know, I think uh, the people will come around. I think as long as he keeps his, you know, keeps his uh, his hands clean, I guess, or, or, or he doesn't get into any trouble, he doesn't say the wrong things. I think uh, eventually. Uh, It'll blow over in a sense uh, because I, I think at the end of the day, it's really still just uh, a matter between him and his wife. And I, I would hope that it remains that way. Okay, I, I definitely understand that. So now this whole thing with the Mets having their problems and we're talking about on the field again, not having the, um, the stolen bases and on-base percentages from a lot of their players – if when if or when, because most likely it's a, it's a matter of time before Reyes comes up and starts playing third base. Is he your leadoff hitter right away, and you take Granderson out of that spot? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Reyes goes to goes to leadoff. Granderson can uh, can play the position where he can drive in runs, because um, that's what the Mets don't do either. The Mets don't drive in runs. Uh, it's either home runs or nothing. So uh, you would like someone who's uh, who's a better table setter. You know, Reyes up top, um, 
you know, you can play around with, with Granderson, but I I personally like him to back third and then uh, Chester just batting, batting clean up. But again, you know, once the injuries start, you know, going away, where when Bruno will be back after the All-Star break probably, um, the Mets are still looking at possibly signing uh, Guriel from Cuba. So that could be another option where you could have him play third base and Reyes play a platoon in the infield or maybe even, they were even talking about him playing in the outfield. So um, I think first and foremost, uh, Reyes should be the leadoff hitter. I, I mean, I love Granderson. love Granderson, but, I mean, you can't have a leadoff hitter batting like 225, man. You can't. Uh, I, I definitely agree with that. So let me just ask you, obviously, you've watched Jose Reyes since he was a, a rookie, you know, with the Mets and seeing him grow. What do you think he has left? Like, he's 33 years old, didn't have a good year with the, the Rockies during that whole trade situation. He's saying because he wasn't used to being traded midseason and adjusting with his family and everything became a hassle. Um, what do you think he has left and, you know, that he really could bring to the table for the rest of his team, and could he be a guy that I don't know? Uh, can be looked at as a leader? Is that even possible? Um, no, I don't think he was looked looked as a looked at as a leader because uh, he was he, even when in, you know the Mets' best year in '06, he wasn't a leader. He's a he's a Type B personality. The reason that Mets team in '06 was so good is because they had the ability. They had guys that were leaders. Paul Leduca was a leader. You know, they had guys that stepped up that that, that, that took on that role. Uh, I don't see him as, as, a, as a clubhouse leader to say, but I do see him as the kind of guy who can be a spark plug. Like I mentioned before, you know, he, he automatically, he, he already comes in with, uh, you know, yeah, 19, what is it? I think something like, what was it, uh, 50-something stolen bases last year? Yeah. Uh, what was it, 24. Yeah, he said there's a big drop-off from what he's used to. Right. Right. So you're talking about, even even with 24 stolen bases, that's already eight times more than the team needs right now. So that's what we need from him. Reyes needs to come in, and I think that's what he's got left. He's got the ability to steal bases. He's not just a fast guy. I mean, he's lost a step, but he's he's still quick, um, and he knows how to steal bases. I think the key is he's got to be that guy. He's got to be a table setter. I think that's what he's got left. He's still a smart baseball player. He knows how to, and he's, he's very good defensively. Um, a lot of people talk about race, and we talk about the speed, we talk about, you know, the stolen bases, but we don't talk about how good he is defensively. He's got very good range, and I think he, it translates well into third base. I mean, we saw it when A-Rod did it, and it was a little bit different. A-Rod had spring training when he, when he shifted over uh, to, to get ready at third base, and Reyes has, what, a week? I think he'll be up after next week or something like that. So um, there's going to be growing pains at third base. It's a position he's never played before, but I think he's got the range, he's got the arm, um, and it's just it's just going to be a repetition. And if he plays well, you know that could be the the difference between you know going after somebody else at a more at a position of need, like uh, maybe middle relief or another bat, as opposed to signing you know. Guriel from Cuba. Okay, once again, I'm on the line with Stan Taloisa. Stan, before you go, I, I have to ask this now. I, I don't want to hit like a nerve or, you know, bring back old feelings, but wouldn't you love to see one more time right at third base, Reyes at shortstop before this year is over? Is that even possible, you think, in your mind? Um, I'm sure it's possible from, uh, for, I mean, I, I, I 
I think it was Terry Print, uh, Terry Collins uh, knows how much that would mean to Mets fans. Um, and it would very likely be the last time we see something like that because uh, we don't know what Wright has left. He's aiming to be back by September and hopefully October if, the, if it comes to that, if we're playing in October. Um, so I think if it's a situation where it won't hurt the team and, you know, maybe even a late inning kind of, you know, uh, like a switch kind of, like a double switch maybe where you, you switch positions and you do something like that, I think it would be cool to see. I don't think I would rule it out, but uh, the way the Mets have been playing, I don't think that the, the that Terry Collins is in too many positions to start tinkering with the lineup just to you know bring back old feelings and make Mets fans feel better. Uh, I definitely hear that, man. Uh, Stan, as always, thank you very much, and uh, we look forward to uh, seeing what happens when Reyes makes it up to the big leagues. Listen, nobody's looking forward to it more than me. I've still got a few bobbleheads that I'm, that I'm hoping he'll sign. I'm going to go say hi to Joachim Noah now if he's still in the area. Oh, yeah, that's, that's very important. Make sure you catch up with Joachim. <laughs> All right, man. Have a good one. You too, bro. That was Stan Talouise. Uh Once again, giving us his candid thoughts on the New York Mets and the uh, acquisition of Jose Reyes. Uh, you know, obviously, Stan being a huge Mets fan, has all the uh, opinion in the world when it comes to this team. He's followed them for so long. He's supported them for so long through the bad years. And, and obviously getting a guy like Jose Reyes and David Wright, uh, I believe they were like a year apart, and they were the uh, the future of the franchise right at third. Reyes at shortstop. Looked like they would be that, that type of tandem for the next 15, 20 years, let's be honest. They were very young at the time. So uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting uh, situation having Reyes back in the fold and, uh, you know, obviously the whole domestic violence situation he's going to have to deal with. It's, it just have to, you just have to deal with it. So, uh, you know, we'll see. We, we shall definitely see, but, uh, as always, give me a call. 516-900-2278. If you have thoughts on that as well, or any other hot topics that are going on in sports, when we come back, we're going to take a, uh, take a look at two, very prominent coaches that lost their lives yesterday. Coaches that changed their games. Let's, let's be completely honest. So uh, stay tuned. You're listening to Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM.
Muscle back, guys. You're here. One person that definitely inspires me is my college coach, Pat Summit. You know, Pat has had an influence on so many people's lives. She not only is concerned about what we do on the basketball court, but even more importantly, she's concerned about what we do on the community. She's concerned about what kind of women we turn out to be. She's concerned about how we represent ourselves. There's so much more outside of basketball that Pat was concerned about. You got another cutter coming. Don't be, don't be too anxious to reverse the ball. Coach Summit is one of the strongest women I know. She's battled everything and just always has a positive attitude. Her message isn't just through words, but she actually lives it. And I think that that's what's so remarkable about her. Good. Hustle down. Go. When people think of Tennessee, more than their men's coach, more than anything else, they think of Pat Summit, which is unheard of, as you know, in the sports world. I don't know how you can even put into words what she's done for the women's game. She's just Pat coach to me and to somebody else. And they look at her from her basketball standpoint and from what she's been able to accomplish as a basketball coach. But she's way more remarkable than just being a basketball coach. Pat Summit has become the winningest coach in college basketball again with a 1,000 win plateau and total. Just remember this special night and think about all the people that made it possible. And that's everyone in this building and a lot of people that have been through this program that still love the Lady Vols with all their heart. Thank you. Pat Summit passing away uh, yesterday. And, you know, obviously she had a long battle with Alzheimer's disease. And it was a... Uh, it's it's a sad, you know, and this tribute was from the WNBA. This is on their uh, their site, and it was how much she's influenced all these different players. You're talking about some of the people that were speaking there. Um, you talk about Becky Hammond, who uh, recently just had her jersey retired by the uh, by the San Antonio Silver Stars, and uh, she's currently an assistant coach for the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, Candace Parker, a big one, and I'm actually going to play uh, Candace Parker's emotional post game interview after her game last night. Um, it was, you know, just a lot of emotion into it. Uh, you're talking about all these different players and how much she's meant to them. And it had nothing to do with basketball, a lot of it. It was just about, you know, like they were saying, Carol Lawson was talking about just being a woman and, and just being a good person. It, it's it's just huge. Just a huge, um, you know, thing that she brought to her. Tamika Catchings, another four that, that uh, spoke in regards to it, she's uh, you gotta look at, you gotta really look at this. Thirty-eight years coaching, thirty-eight years, all at the University of Tennessee. Just a pioneer. You thought about Tennessee basketball. You thought about the women's program. Lady Vols is the first thing you thought about. How they they were dominant. This is before UConn really took over and uh, had their run. It was all about the Lady Vols. There's no denying that. And Pat Summit set such a standard that uh, we still have yet to see. I mean, the, the UConn teams are great now, but for as long, eight national championships in this process, all-time winningest coach in basketball, period, women or men, it's Pat Summit. That, uh, just, that alone just tells you, like, her impact. And uh, I just remember watching a lot of games and, 
And I remember the battles once UConn was starting to to make their way up. The battles they had every time with uh with the Lady Vols and just you knew it was gonna be a good game. It was always one versus two. You're gonna have Tennessee versus Connecticut. That's how good both of these teams were. And uh, Pat Summit, you know, revolutionized the way you look at women coaches. And that's that's let's just be honest. Is what she did. She was so good, so ahead of her time. Especially you gotta remember this is during a time where respect wasn't there at all. And she brought so much respect to the women's game in college basketball that still remains to this day. And, uh, you know, such a huge loss for the for the entire coaching sports world. Like, Pat Summit passing really hurt. So, you know, and this is definitely um, something that people will remember for a while in regards to her, what the standard that she built in women's sports and how it continues to grow. People will continue to remember that. Uh, I'm just, like, right now I'm queuing up. This is Candace Parker uh, from last night talking about Pat Summit, and uh, after her huge game last night, she had a huge game for the for the uh, LA Sparks as they defeated Dallas Wing. Um, even though Dallas had Sky Diggins, who had a great game, uh, Candace Parker and the Sparks continue to roll and continue to be one of the best teams in the Western Conference for the WNBA. This were here's were her thoughts after last night's win. Well, Candace, from your very first bucket where you pointed to the sky to the inspirational rally in the second half, how hard was it for you to play tonight given your loss today? It was difficult, but, uh, you know, I felt a lot of strength from her and from the Lady Vol family. Obviously, uh, it was a special night today, and um, we all played with heavy hearts. Your teammates were so sweet, NECA, giving you these heartfelt hugs. How were they able to help you stand up tonight? You know, that's what we do. That's what our team is. Uh, we're a family, and, um, you know, they know what coach has meant to the game of basketball, and we've all acknowledged that, and I think definitely from here on out, I'm playing for her. You wrote rebound on your shoe tonight. You had a season high in rebounds, Candace. How do you describe the mental mode you were in in that second half, 25 points in the second half? Well, I see coach's glare, and I hear her voice screaming at me to rebound, um, especially on the offensive end. You know, I see her little head, you know, going back and forth telling me to rebound, so... It's, it's very ironic that I had my high, season high rebounding tonight. I know Coach will be proud of you tonight, Candace. Thank, Thank you. you so much. It was a very emotional interview because she actually hugged, um, you know, hugged the reporter. It was uh, definitely a great thing. She wrote how rebounding was so important to uh, to Pat Summon and what they were trying to do with um, the volunteers back then. It's... It's uh, it's going to be a tough loss, but, uh, you know, we go from that loss to losing an innovator in the game of football. You talk about Buddy Ryan and uh, his innovations and stuff that he's brought. He brought to the game of football and defensively and throwing schemes out there that are still used to this day, blitzes, um, just an aggressive style that created the legend that is the Chicago Bears and that 85 team in that 46 defense and how great it was. I mean, it's it really just lets you know the type of players that he, not only that he had, that he knew how to use, how ahead of the game he was in regards to setting up strategies, attacking the quarterback, and uh, making plays, because that's, that's what it came down to. A lot, of those, a lot of those games were won on defense for those Chicago Bears teams, and then later on, he, you know, he was a coach for the Philadelphia Eagles. So, uh, Buddy Ryan definitely, you know, took it to that next level. And uh, that's that's really the type of um, that's the type of guy 
that's the type of guy that uh, he was. And you see how his sons are, Rob Ryan, Rex Ryan, also no nonsense, say whatever they got to say. It's the uh, it's the same type of thing. And he was also struggling with um, with a disease. And I remember watching the 30 for 30 uh, for the 85 Bears, and they showed Buddy Ryan. He wasn't looking too good. And, you know, he was having problems as well. So it's uh, it's it's a sad, you know, it's a sad situation for uh, both both leagues. You talk about women's sports and um, obviously the NFL losing a legend like Buddy Ryan. Here's what Mike Singletary, one of the, uh, you know, Hall of Famer, obviously, from that Bears squad that did all that damage and won the 85 championship. Here's where his, his this is here. Hmm, ah, sorry, excuse me. Here are his thoughts on Buddy Ryan and his passing. It, it was very tough to work for Buddy. Uh, he called me every name that, that you could. I mean, he created some names I never heard of. Um, and uh, every day he just found something about me that wasn't right. And uh, I, I remember <clears throat> after several weeks just kind of sitting in the parking lot one day, and I, I was just thinking, I, I need to get away from this. I need to get out of here. This, this place, Buddy is killing me. He's not, if I ask a question, he's busting my chops. If I, no matter what I did, I was wrong. I went the wrong way. I was, so um, I had a guy, uh, Jim Osborne, sat me down. He, he saw me and said, you know what, let me, let me talk to you for a minute. And I sat down, we were in the parking lot, everybody else had gone in, and he said, um, you need to know that Buddy really likes you. So all you need to do is close your mouth and just do what he says, that's all. And um, I said, okay. And uh, I did that. You know, when Buddy said something, I didn't, I had no reply, nothing. I just did what he said. And it worked out. And um, as time went on, I just really began to uh, become a nuisance to him because I, I wanted to be in the meetings. Uh, when he was watching film, I wanted to sit in with him. And um, he wouldn't really allow me to say anything. I just sat there and just every now and then he'd say, see that right there? Yeah, you got to watch that, okay? And I may be in there an hour or two and he wouldn't, that'd be the only thing he would say. But as time went on, we just, he just began to talk to me, and I began to ask him questions, and we developed a relationship, a great relationship. And how emotional was it then? I know the night before the Super Bowl, he told you guys he was leaving the team after the Super Bowl, and there's been a lot of talk about that meeting where McMichael kicked over the projector. Somebody stuck a, a chair in the wall. Tell me, take me back to that meeting. Well, you're right. Uh, Steve McMichael did exactly that. Um, kicked over the projector. Um, Dan Hampton got him through a chair through the wall and meeting was over. But uh, Buddy said a couple of things and one thing I really didn't understand, um, I followed him after that, that meeting to his room and I said, well, what, what do you mean? Are you, what, what, what's going on? He said, nothing, nothing. You just go out to the mall and play. And I said, wait a minute, what, what, what were you saying? Are you, I don't get it. He said, just go out there and play. Just go play. And um, so after the game, I, I, um, I heard from a few of the guys. He had told Fensick and uh, told Fensick not to tell me. And so um, after the game, 
few guys said, Mike, you, you know he's leaving. I said, no, he's not leaving. He can't leave. He didn't tell me he was leaving. So it was very frustrating to me. He tried to call me. I didn't, I didn't pick up the phone um, for a while. And then uh, finally we talked. And I understood. I just didn't want to hear it. Um, and um, it was... Um, it was a tough thing. It was a tough thing to swallow because he was not only a mentor, he was a friend and uh, somebody I had go grown to trust and learn from and everything else. Um, so that was a part of the game that was very difficult for me to swallow. That was uh, Mike Singletary talking about Buddy Ryan and his, just what everything he brought to that uh, team and how he changed his career. And he, he's funny how he talked about how much he didn't like him and how much they just didn't they didn't get along. There wasn't really a, uh, you know, just that type of feeling towards him. It, it it was he was one of those tough love type of coaches, and players after a while love playing for him. That's that's really you know what the main thing I got from it. Players love playing for him. It doesn't get any it doesn't get any you know, any deeper than that and. Uh, I, I just think that you get a situation where a coach who's a mentor, uh, remember Singletary was a, at one point was a uh, head coach for the 49ers, so a lot of people thought he was a little wild. I guess he learned it from Buddy Ryan. Uh, who knows? So that whole situation was going down. Um, before we go to break, I'm going to play one more, one more, uh, reflection on buddy ryan and this is from but and this is from actually um doug plank who was a bear safety during that time and uh talked about like the the 46 defense and how it was named and uh when we come back we're going to discuss more about about today's hot topics including this huge debate between lakers and knicks fans who's the better franchise is the lakers or is it the knicks that's that's the first thing we're going to try to figure out and uh, hopefully you guys at home can help us out in uh, trying to pick a winner because it's going to be a tough one. So uh, stay tuned for that. You're listening to Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. Buddy Ryan had the unique ability to add and inject a quality into the players that were on that unit. It, it wasn't about your position on the defense. It was about your disposition because every one of those players over in multiple years that played those positions, they would do anything not to disappoint their teammates. And that meant running over players, running through players, uh, you know, doing anything to do your job. You know, Buddy was able to create such an atmosphere of peer pressure that the last thing you ever wanted to do was to fall on the ground or not do your assignment. I remember many times uh, getting knocked down during a play and I would immediately think of myself as I was laying on the ground, what is this going to look like on Monday morning? I better get up and hit somebody. It could be my own teammate, another player on the other team, even an official. I didn't matter, but I was going to hit somebody. Why did Buddy name the defense after you? Buddy created a lot of defenses. Every player on our team that was a linebacker, a safety, or even a corner had something named after them. Uh, we had different formations, different blitzes, and Buddy would just commonly tag you as a number. Uh, Buddy never used names, uh, you know, in, in terms of 
the, the football. You were either uh, an adjective and not a very complimentary adjective, or you were a number. And if he called you a number, that was a compliment. Compliment. That meant that he thought highly of you. If he called you an adjective, then you know that spoke for itself. And he had a several common adjectives. I won't go through them right now, but you can imagine. So he called me 46, and we came in that morning, and he had this defense on the board. I was the middle player on the defense, and someone asked him, what are you going to call this, buddy? And I remember him grabbing a piece of chalk, and he turned it sideways, and he circled my number three times and said, we're going to call this the 46 defense. There wasn't one person in that room that came over and said one thing to me, like, hey, Doug, congratulations, because Buddy was always putting defenses in and taking defenses out. Putting coverages in, taking coverages out. We didn't know if this was going to last one day or one year or 10 years. So it didn't really matter. But when this thing was put into operation and they actually ran it in a game, look out, great things started happening. What was your relationship like with Buddy? I think my relationship with Buddy was the same as most other, other, other players. It wasn't as though I had some special arrangement or uh, relationship that Buddy and I had. I think we respected each other, like many of the other players on the football team. And one thing I remember about Buddy, though, he was a master sergeant in the Korean War. And that's exactly how he ran the defense. He was uh, no holds barred. If he came in, he told you exactly what he thought of you as a player and sometimes even as a person. And he wasn't really well liked when he first got the Chicago Bears. But I remember one game we played the San Francisco 49ers in San Francisco. And he told a story we lost the game because of our defensive effort. And he, and he looked at all of us and he said, you know what? I expect most of you in this room to make mistakes and be, not be able to be counted on, undependable. He said, but there's a handful of you in here that I count on, that I rely on, that I, I respect your ability and I need you to do what I ask you to do. And he said, when that doesn't happen, I don't handle it very well as a coach. And he stared off into oblivion, and within a few minutes, tears started rolling down his face. At that moment, I truly believed that the Chicago Bears became the monsters of the midway. And whatever Buddy Ryan wanted from that defensive group, they were gonna do for him. There's a common saying in football, players don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's absolute truth. We knew from that point forward that Buddy was invested in us and we were invested in him. And anything that he asked us to do, we were gonna do it.
here on Soundcast FM, and we have a bit of a special situation here. I have uh, Miss Lana B, as always, Miss West Coast, hey, hey. Lakers fan. She's she's here, and I have uh, Mr. Claude LaRoche, huge Knicks fan, as we all know. No, he's a huge Laker fan. Please. Wow. Yeah. Okay, well, already, like- right, I, I'm, it's funny, I'm just doing the introduction. They already started going at it, so... Um, <laughs> Just want to set out what's actually happening here. We're having this debate between the Lakers fans and the Knicks fans. It seems to have been going on for years and years and years. A lot of huge Lakers fans, Claude, huge Knicks fans. We want to get down to which team is better right now. Both teams are horrible. I mean, let's be honest. They're both lottery teams for the last couple of years. Thank you. But we want to break down now which team is better for different reasons. It's going to include Kevin Durant, everything. So, I'm going to play the moderator here. I don't want to get on any side. I'm going to stay impartial. I'm just going to be right down the middle, and I'm going to ask the first question. And the, uh, the first question out there is uh, Kevin Durant, obviously the biggest free agent 
in the NBA. He's recently come out and said that the Lakers are not an option. Lana, I'm going to start with you. Do you agree with Kevin Durant saying the Lakers are not an option, that he feels yes. like he wants to go somewhere yes. and win the title? Yes, I 100% agree, because Kevin Durant needs to win a championship. My Lakers are not going to give that to him within the next two to three years. But newsflash, neither were the Knicks. I don't have a delusion when it comes to my Lakers. I know what my Lakers are lacking at the moment. I don't think KD needs to come home. Now, if KD and Westbrook both want to come home next year, we can have a different conversation because what I think is going to happen is Westbrook's going to come home. KD can go wherever, but you're not going to convince me that he's going to go to the Knicks and sign a one-year deal to go nowhere, not even get out the first round. Hate is so real. Okay, Claude, uh, I know you have a rebuttal to this. What are your thoughts? Look, I mean, of course KD is right. The Lakers are trash. They went 17-65 and 65 last season, and they had a good core. They had a better core than the Knicks. The fact of the matter is the Knicks are a better option right now. The addition of Derrick Rose, cap room. Derrick Rose is an addition? The, Christos Porzingis being the unicorn that he is, we have a team that, quite frankly, if Kevin Durant comes on, he could be the missing piece. Could you imagine a backcourt of Kevin Durant at the small forward, Carmelo at the four, and Christos at the five, with Derrick no, Rose being the point? Let's do it. Let's do it right I now. Couldn't imagine it. I couldn't imagine – I couldn't imagine that core group of men doing anything but being the eighth seed coming out the East and losing to Cleveland in four. That's what I could imagine. Look at the hate, the hate. Kevin Durant on his own coming to the Knicks adds a good 10 wins to our record. That's Kevin why Durant. I said the eighth seed. That's why I said the eighth seed. I, I could see you'll make the playoffs and you'll be right out. But you didn't, even, you didn't even add the factor of how many wins – Derrick Rose and Kevin Durant Derrick together Rose, to bring Derrick to the Knicks. You got Derrick Rose on the biggest deal ever because you all know he is a liability. Who do you think you're talking to? Derrick Rose isn't the same Derrick Rose that he was in 2012. Are you but he crazy? doesn't have to be. You want to know why? Because he's better than wow. everything we had last season. Derrick Rose is better than Galloway. Okay. That's what we had uh, last year. A Derrick Rose that doesn't play. A Derrick Rose that's played, that's played 91 games or less, not even 91 games, in the last two years. That's what you're trying to tell me is better than someone who's actually done the court. Because he actually played, I think he played 73 games last season, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, and he played 16 and before. To, and the he season to, before he played like 16. Is that not around 90, 90-something? 90 All right, look. The fact of the matter is, last season, Derrick Rose did have to take games off so he could remain healthy throughout the rest of the year, and he did that. He's healthy now, and I'm not concerned. It's a one-year rental. That's all we need. And if Kevin Durant wants to come for one year to see what he could do with this Knicks squad, why not? And once we lose both of them, if they do come this season, we have even more cap room for a bigger free agency pool next season. The Knicks are prime. But the Knicks, you're trying to go after Mark after you made the the argument that the Lakers are only going after stars. That's exactly what the Knicks are doing. And not only are you going after stars, you're going after washed stars. And telling me that it's going to be like an all-star team. If you look at what Phil Jackson did last season, Phil Jackson didn't go after the most marquee free agent that he could find. 
Phil Jackson brought in Rolo. He brought in Aaron Aflalo. He brought in Derek Williams. And he made those pieces now he's work. A now he's a genius. Now, no, now I didn't, whoa, 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 whoa. I never said that Phil Jackson was a genius. I, I never said that. In fact, last season, I was asking for Phil Jackson to get on out of here. Earlier but, this year you were. I, I, I still, I, I, right before Phil Jackson pulled off this Derrick Rose trade, I was asking for him to get on out of here because he didn't have any clue as to what he was doing. But he brought in a decent coach who runs a fast-paced offense, he brought in a point guard that's better than any point guard that we've had on the Knicks in the past 15 years. He's brought in Kristaps uh, Porzingis. Quite done. frankly, I'll tell you the truth. He's I old and him, done. He's looking good. And, and, and what? Is done. Okay, let me, let, me jump in. Rose, let me jump in. Derrick Rose wants to be a daddy. He wants to go to his kid's soccer practice and be able to stand the entire time. <laughs> Derrick Rose isn't concerned about basketball. So, like I said, okay. that's what. This kid's not going to play soccer in New York. We don't have any fields. We're good. Yeah, you do. Okay, guys, do guys, 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 guys. I got to jump in. I got to jump in. Okay. I actually want to piggyback now for the next question off of the whole coaching situation. Obviously, the Knicks now have Jeff Hornacek. The Lakers have um, uh, they have Luke Walton. Who do you feel like would be a more effective coach? Is it going to be Luke Walton with the Lakers or Jeff Hornacek with the Knicks? And, Lana, I'm going to start with you. Um, I, I think it depends. I think Luke Walton is one of like a, one of the Lakers guys. Like I, I think the whole franchise is okay with having him. So I think he kind of put to rest some of the back office issues that the Lakers were having. I'm not sure, um, how effective he's going to be on the, on this particular group. I think he'll be more effective once he gets like a big name star on his team. Okay, and uh, Claude, what are your thoughts? Um, look, it's hard for me to say that Jeff Hornacek is effective with this next squad, but I want to see what the pieces they add in. If they could add another point guard, I do think that he could be the better coach in the next season. Okay, so uh, there's some hope there for Hornacek. You're just kind of looking, you're kind of waiting and seeing in terms of what players are going to come in. That, that's correct. I want to see what players come into the fold. Because, um, quite frankly, like I said, Jeff Hornacek came second in Player of the Year voting a couple of years ago. And if he could keep that pace up, I mean, with the Knicks, a high-paced you, you fantasize about the past so much. It's, it's, it's not fantasizing about the past. We can go back have to about realize. the past and reason, we can talk the, about the Lakers versus the Knicks if you want you to continue to go back about the past. Here we go. You've got to realize the reason why Jeff Hornacek was fired was not his fault. The Morris twins got separated. The front office didn't really know what the heck they were doing with the Suns, and they ruined what was a decent team that competed in the West two years ago. I could say I could say the same thing happened to the Lakers, but do you give them that that luxury? The problem, the problem with the Lakers, the problem with the Lakers is that exactly. it hasn't just been one or two years. This has been a good five years coming. The Lakers have not been able to attract any free agents to play with Kobe. Was and that now, the Lakers or was listen, that the listen, fact listen, that listen. Dr. Buss Kobe is, and his Kobe son, is, who was like the worst? Here we go. Listen, Kobe's gone, right? And now even Kevin Durant won't entertain a meeting with the Lakers. You want to sit up here and omit the fact that you know good – First of all, this is the most historic franchise. If it wasn't for your commissioner, we would have gotten CP3 and all this shit would have been put to rest. 
Let's be that's if you want to talk about there facts, so we can put facts on the table. Let's also talk about the fact that doctors. Let's talk about the past dead. again. You know, look, I'm talking about dead. right here, right now. Right well, here, hey, right now. The, the Knicks have the worst. The Knicks no, have the worst owner the in the league. Okay, 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 okay. Everybody, whoa, 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 whoa. First, he talked about the past five years, and now he wants to fast forward because he knows look, this damn well what happened. They can't look, attack the because of Jim. But once Jim Bus is gone. Then this is over. So if you're gonna give uh, so this, this Knicks coach so a pass for stuff not being his fault, then you need to give the Lakers a pass for stuff not being their fault. Because we that's all so know sad. who. What? Here you go. Look, the Knicks have the worst owner in the league. It's known. James Dolan is hated by fans, and quite frankly, he's interrupted. I, I, the I think that at this present time, I think that the Bus family can be the most hated. Owners in this league. Look, you hmm. can say what you want. That's fine. But look, James Dolan is known. It's it's known that he's the worst owner in this league, and the way that he's interfered with GM affairs, the way that he's interfered with player affairs, the way that he's fired coaches on a consistent basis. Last season, we fired a coach in the middle of the season due to his affairs with players, their girlfriends, and their wives. So did the we Cavs. Had, What's that mean? We, so did the Cavs. We had, Cavs did the we same had thing. Kurt what happened to this? Rambis. We had Kurt the Rambis. Cavs fired their coach at the same We're not talking time about the Cavs. We're talking about the Lakers versus the Knicks. And quite frankly, Dude, but, Byron so, but Scott, your facts, Byron Scott, your facts, Scott are, your facts can be argued to the core because you're – Look, see, this is what I'm saying. Let me finish. Let me finish. Byron Scott was the coach of the Lakers all last season, all right? And he couldn't rally up a squad that had D'Angelo Russell, Julius Randle, Jordan Clarkson. D'Angelo Russell playing? Look, he had D'Angelo Russell. He That was the number two pick. You, Your team's picked that, that guy. So you're not even mad that the Knicks are winning. You're mad that my Lakers are supposed to be beating I'm your not, Knicks, not, and they're not. That's I'm, not mad that your Lakers, I'm not mad that your Lakers are losing. I could care less. What I'm mad is, what I'm mad is, so is mad. that I tell you that the Lakers are trash, and you tell me that you, the Knicks are worse. You're mad that they're trash that's because the, they're not supposed to be. Here, that's your problem. You just sat here and gave us facts that the Lakers are supposed to be better than the Knicks. And yet you keep I coming for the that. Lakers and calling them. You just said, said they had the a Lakers better squad. You just said, said that they had I better players. Had you just said they had better coaches. The Lakers are supposed to be better than your Knicks. Did I? I said that the Lakers had more consistent coaching because they kept Byron Scott. Never said that Byron Scott was a better coach. I said that the Lakers have a better core. I'll, I'll admit that, but I never said that they had better players. Now the fact of the matter so is, go back to like Russell. So you're upset. Let me go back. Alana, to Alana, Alana, Alana. Give me a moment. How about how about you let me finish? Don't interrupt for the next two minutes. When when I'm done, then you can start talking. All right. But listen, okay. the Lakers selected D'Angelo Russell with the second overall pick, and they chose him to be the person to learn from Kobe. Now, whether he played or not, that's on the Lakers. That's on your coaching staff. That's on your franchise. The fact that you can't attract a free agent like Kevin Durant to play with a core like that, and they just made another number two pick with Brandon Ingram, that's sad. That's sad for the franchise, and it's a sad day in L.A. because L.A. thrives off of superstars. Now, in history, yes, the Lakers are more 
glorified than the Knicks. I'll give you that ten times over. But right here, right now, when you look in the garbage, the Lakers are at the bottom of the pit. All right? Mm-hmm. My Knicks are floating towards the top. And that's what it looks like. Just just mm-hmm. admit it. Just take it. And it's done. Uh, first of all, that's not a problem. What I did ask you was this. Regardless of where my Lakers are right now, which is something that you allude to on a daily basis, the fact is you're more mad that my Lakers are trash than you are that your Knicks are actually coming out of the garbage. That is a fact. You're so mad at that. You have to say something about it all the time. We get it. The reason why the Lakers are not attracting star players has nothing to do with the Lakers. It has everything to do with Jim Buss. And you want to sit up here and just never bring him up. Like, you don't know that he's the cancer of the Lakers organization. It's not that. It's that. That's what it is. I'm not okay, guys, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to jump in. Okay, okay. Time out, time out, time out. There's a very good point on both sides there. Okay, time out, time out, time out, time out. Both, like I said, very good points on both sides. Just, you know, obviously we're getting very passionate here. Just the last question, last question here. This actually goes back to dealing with the past. Now, I want you guys, in your opinions, this is your opinions, mind you, who's the best player for each franchise? Like, like Lana, you named the best player in the history of the Lakers, in your opinion, and Claude, the best player for the Knicks, in your opinion, and who do you feel like is better than each other's choice? You understand what I'm saying here? So, okay. Claude, name your name the best Nick in history, because that's going to be the guy you're riding with in this argument, and Lana's going to name her best player in Lakers history. So, I just need everybody first, so you got to listen to each other. So, we're not going to talk over each other when we make this happen, all right? So, Claude, you go first. Man, the man, the legend, I mean... A lot of people have a lot of feelings towards the Knicks, but if you really focus on Knicks history, I think that the best player the Knicks have had was probably Bernard King. The guy was smooth; he could score. He he was he was just he was what people aspire to be in the league today before they even knew about Jordan and Kobe and everything. Um, that's that's my guy. I think he's better than you know any other Knicks player that has ever played or put that jersey on. And I know that there's arguments for Patrick Ewing and there's, there's arguments for others, but um, Bernard King, that's my guy. Okay, Lana? Um, I'm going with Magic Johnson. I just don't think there's anything else to say. Magic Johnson <laughs> best to ever put on a Laker jersey. He's the best Nick to ever put on a Laker jersey. Wow. What? I don't even know how to respond to that one. Um, so, okay, so obviously this goes into part two of the question, who's the better player matching him up? Um, magic. But I need the reasons. The obvious one, the obvious answer would be Magic, but I need reasons here. you got to throw something at me. It doesn't have to be stats, but just something at me. Magic engaged his entire team unlike anybody we have ever seen in the history of basketball. He made everyone around him better. He was the most unselfish player that I, arguably, that I can think of. Uh, he he was just a winner. Like I don't I don't. I mean, this isn't even a fair debate. Okay, uh, Claude. Look, it really isn't a fair debate because I mean, <laughs> you want to put anybody up against Magic, it's tough. But you know what? I'll argue that at the time, you know, Magic did have other star players around him. 
Um, Bernard King was really a one-man show. He did it with New Jersey. He did it with Utah. He did it with the Knicks. Um, and, and unfortunately, before he had a star next to him in Patrick Ewing, we traded him away. Um, I would I would have loved to see what Bernard could have done with Patrick and, and, and move forward, but um, we just never got to see that. And so, like, I'll admit, Magic Johnson, I mean, he could play all five positions, but when you have other individuals who could help carry a team with you, it's a lot easier. And Bernard King just didn't have those options. Who's Okay, that? guys. <laughs> guys, great debate. Obviously, a lot of great answers back and forth. Claude, I'm a little disappointed that you didn't bring up Walt Clyde Frazier. I mean, that, that would have been a better matchup with Magic Johnson. I think you would have actually – you could have pulled off a win there. A little surprised yeah, you know what? with Bernard King. Like I said, a lot of people have different players, um, but Bernard There's King, no dick in the history of the there's no Knicks in the history of the Knicks that will go up against Magic. So I don't care who he brought up. Who is a done deal? But you know what? No, like I really I said, how about this? I'll let I'll let the audience decide on keepingitarealsports.com. We'll take a chance to listen to the poll and uh, give their thoughts. Who do you feel like is a better franchise? Is it the Lakers or is it the Knicks? Vote for that on keepingitarealsports.com. Lana B, Claude, thank you as always. This was exciting. Thank you. Bye.
Alright, Sports Ocean with Eddie Eastman here on Soundcast FM. Thank everybody for tuning in. Hope everybody uh, enjoyed the show today. Uh, obviously, we were able to play tribute to uh, two coaching legends that passed away, as well as uh, have a nice little spirited debate, which I want everyone to check out on KeepItRealSports.com later tonight. The uh, See if you could vote on who you feel like is the better uh, the better franchise, is more, more attractive franchise, I should say, for free agents. Is it the New York Knicks? Is it the uh, L.A. Lakers? I think that's going to be a uh, question that could be, I don't know, could go on forever. Let's let's be honest. But until next time, everyone, have a good one. We'll catch you tomorrow.